Hello, and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing our outlook for the second half of the year. I'm Andy Craig, co-head of the Investment Insight Centre, and today I'm joined by Daniel Morris, my co-head and chief market strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Welcome, Daniel, and thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Now, we've had an eventful first half in 2023, and one of the features has been um, a whole variety of thematics and themes, none of which have really lasted very long. There's been uh, several changes over the course of the year. A lot of people will have been surprised by the performance of equities this year when they see indicators like the inverted yield curve telling them clearly that a recession is coming. Are they right to be surprised? Well, I think you highlighted right there why you have this confusion. And and you said that the inverted yield curve clearly tells us that a recession is coming. And I think it's that assumption that explains why a lot of people have been surprised by the way things have gone this year. Because on one hand, you do seem to see indicators of an impending recession, not only the inverted yield curve, you could look at uh, falling oil prices uh, as another sign of the coming slowdown. And then at the same time, we see equities doing reasonably well so far this year in many markets. Uh, We see positive earnings growth expectations by analysts, whereas if you do have a recession, you would expect to see earnings to fall. So it's that apparent contradiction that we see in the markets that has puzzled investors, uh, really, at least for the last six months. So I think the way we resolve that puzzle is to reinterpret Uh, what we see from the inverted yield curve. And I think the assumption that it is, uh, you know, necessarily signaling a recession is the wrong one. I mean, really, when you think about an inverted yield curve, what it's telling you is that interest rates are high now because inflation is high. Central banks want to bring inflation down, so they want to slow growth, and so interest rates are high now. But that eventually inflation and growth will slow, and then interest rates will decline. So hence the inversion in the yield curve. But all it really is telling you is that growth will slow. And without question, that is what will happen. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a recession at the end of that. Economically, if you will, it's perfectly plausible and feasible that growth slows to kind of a below trend rate level, so under 1.75% in the U.S. But as long as growth is below trend for a sufficiently long period of time, inflation should fall and eventually fall back to the central bank's targets, at which point, once you've brought inflation back to target, then growth conceivably could reaccelerate and central banks can lower rates. Now, the reason we assume that there's going to be a recession is that, well, in fact, historically, when you've had an inverted yield curve, you have had a recession subsequently. But I would argue that's more a function of central bank policy errors, essentially banks keeping rates too high for too long and therefore inducing inadvertently a recession as opposed to it really being something that had to happen. So in a sense, this is a very long-winded way of saying that it's different this time. And I think all of us as investors know to be very cautious when you hear that phrase, but it's at least possible. And I think if we look then at what we see in equities, the performance of equities, the expectation for positive earnings growth, it's just really saying that I think both equities and fixed income markets or credit spreads are assigning a higher probability to an economic slowdown, but not a recession. 
So there's still odds of a recession without question. It may yet happen. But that for now, at least, the expectation is that it's just going to be a slowdown. And one reason I think that's not necessarily a crazy assumption is twofold. One, uh, if you look at what the Fed is doing, most recently at the last meeting, uh, realizing that they were not on target to meet their inflation objective for 2023, instead of raising interest rates in order to meet that objective, they didn't do that. They paused on the interest rate hikes and they just raised the inflation objective instead. And the message was that if the Fed has to choose between a slowdown in growth and inflation falling more slowly, they're going to err on the side of being patient with inflation. So again, the risk that the Fed makes a policy mistake, I think, is lower this time just because they really do want to avoid a recession. And secondarily, we see that growth in the U.S. is still quite strong, consumer demand very robust, unemployment rate is low. So even if we do get a recession next year, I think we really have a long ways to go before that happens. And of course, what is different this time is that we uh, are coming out of the pandemic. We're coming out of a period when there was huge fiscal stimulus um, and so there's nothing really comparable when we look back in recent history to uh, the events that we've experienced over the last uh, the last two to three years. And that clearly does make the particular uh, situation we're in today uh, very different from what we've seen in the past. So if we conclude then we're only looking at a slowdown rather than a recession, what does that now mean for the outlook for equities and bonds? Well, in a sense, it doesn't necessarily change too much your allocation today, because even if you do expect a recession down the line, and again, we're not saying that that's not going to happen. All we're saying is the markets don't seem to be pricing that outcome currently. But nonetheless, you are going to have an economic slowdown. And even that in and of itself is not particularly positive for equities over the course of the next, say, three, six months or a bit longer. So we would anticipate, you know, certainly that we're going to have more negative economic data. Again, a slowdown is inevitably coming. It's just a question of how far it goes. Uh, we think that is going to be a challenge for equities. Uh, and even if you look at earnings growth forecasts, which compared to historical averages actually aren't that high, but they may nonetheless still not be feasible, that even those lower growth rates uh, may need to continue to be revised downwards. And then you think about, okay, what are your alternatives investments? And of course, we had recently treasury yields in the U.S. above 4%. It's been a very long time since we've seen yields like that. And clearly, that's pretty attractive to investors now as an alternative to equities. And either if we do get the slowdown or we get the recession, you know, one way or another, uh, you would anticipate treasury yields falling over the course of the year. In a recession scenario, they could fall as low as, say, 3%. So on a 10-year treasury bond, a, a one percentage point decline in interest rates would give you, you know, a 10% return plus the 4% income that you're going to get. So, you know, at, in the best case scenario, if you will, in terms of returns, you can have 14% uh, over the next year on 10-year treasury bonds. Now, then you've got to step back and say, how likely is it that you're going to get 14% returns over the next 12 months from equities? And I think most of us would probably be skeptical about the likelihood of that happening. So our allocations in our multi-asset portfolios are overweight fixed income versus equities for that reason, that the expected returns kind of under numerous scenarios look better for fixed income than they do for equities. Daniel, one of the biggest disappointments during the first half of the year has been the performance of China's economy relative to the high expectations most of us had 
uh, when China dropped its zero COVID policies. Uh, do you think there are still reasons to believe that the Chinese equity market could still turn around this year? You're absolutely right that many people had overweight positions either in emerging market equities or Asia or China of some sort once China lifted the zero COVID policies. And, you know, it seemed to make sense at the time, certainly. We saw the reopening trades and how successful they were in the U.S. and Europe once restrictions were lifted and, I guess, just simply assumed that you would see the same pattern in China. And perhaps we didn't really appreciate the differences uh, between China and the U.S. and Europe, and it kind of should be obvious that those differences can be quite large. But the most important one probably was the lack of support for households from the Chinese government during lockdown. So in contrast to the U.S., where you had the Biden administration providing trillions of dollars of fiscal stimulus, even in Europe, though you didn't have the fiscal stimulus, most workers were on furlough, so they didn't lose their job. They continued to be paid, but they were in lockdown, and so they didn't necessarily spend all that much money. And so savings rates probably did rise uh, through the lockdowns, and hence when the reopening came, you had money to spend. So you had that fiscal stimulus, and we have seen that power, particularly European earnings over the last year. That didn't happen in China. The government provided almost no support to households. What support they did provide was primarily the businesses. And imagine that after three years of lockdown, potentially having lost your job, you've probably run down your savings just to survive over that period. So when the reopening came, you know, there just wasn't that fuel for the consumption fire the way you had in the U.S. and Europe. So we had that initial euphoria that's petered out fairly quickly. And we've seen subsequently that, by and large, Chinese growth has been disappointing to foreign investors. But again, that may have more to do with unrealistically high expectations than necessarily that lackluster growth rate. Well, great. That's what's happened over the last six months. Your question is what happens next? And I do honestly think there is optimism to have for the outlook. And it's based on a couple factors. Number one, again, growth isn't all that bad. And we are seeing the Chinese government increasing stimulus measures, particularly around the property market, which we all appreciate is quite crucial when it comes to China. So that hopefully will turn consumption around or improve consumption, also maybe turn around sentiment. Secondarily, because of the poor performance you've had so far this year on a relative basis, Chinese equities do look quite attractively valued, or at least relative to global equities. So there's a, potentially an opportunity to pick up some of that discount that you currently have in valuations. But I'd say most importantly, and it really as it should be when you're talking about equities, it should be earnings. Now, if we look at consensus earnings estimates for China for this year and next year, earnings are forecast to grow around 14 to 15%. Now, you can argue that that's too optimistic, but even if it's a bit less, that's still a pretty high number relative to what you see for the U.S. and Europe, where the earnings forecasts are between, say, 4 and 8% for this year, and actually 13% for the U.S. next year. And it's particularly there where we're probably a bit more skeptical about how realistic those earnings forecasts are, particularly as we do anticipate a slowdown, if not a recession, in the U.S. So on one hand, maybe growth not quite as strong as we wanted in China, but still you know, pretty robust growth. Companies have had to go through lockdown, so it's not too strange to anticipate a rebound in earnings this year. So that difference between the earnings prospects in China versus what we anticipate in the U.S. and Europe ultimately should be reflected in market prices. Because if you have rising earnings and equity prices don't rise, then that's saying that the multiple on those earnings is just continuing to fall. And we think that's unlikely given how much they've fallen already. Daniel, thank you very much. If I just summarize quickly what you've been telling us, 
to start with the fact that a lot of investors expected a recession on account of the inversion of the US yield curve with the two-year Treasury note trading with a yield of about 1% over that of the uh, 10-year Treasury. The message there is that although in the past inversions of a yield curve like that have been associated with recessions, what the primary message we should take away is that there is a slowing of economic growth on the way and not necessarily a recession. And given that the Fed today is very mindful of not wanting to tip the US economy into recession, uh, there is a good chance that uh, instead of getting a recession, we'll get a, a slowdown or we may even get a soft landing. And if that is the case, then that would probably be better for bonds than equities. We've had, uh, obviously, a, a very uh, significant normalisation of bond yields. The US 10-year Treasury, which is a really the, the risk-free rate for financial markets, has recently got as high as 4%, something that we've not seen for a very long time. And should the economic slowdown lead, as we expect, to a fall in inflation, then that would be good for bonds. And unless this time really is different, falling inflation and a uh, a 10-year Treasury yield over 4% is probably a good starting place for fixed income assets uh, looking forward over the next 6 to 12 months. And then China, which has been a bit of the, uh, a conundrum in the first half of the year, as you explained, China has not, did not indulge as the US and, and certain European countries did in huge fiscal stimulus during the pandemic to uh, shelter and protect their consumers. There hasn't been anything at all comparable in China. Um, that's the reason, in our view, why uh, the opening, the reopening of China's economy post-pandemic has not had a surge in China's economy as some investors were expecting. But we need to be patient because there are already signs that Chinese policymakers are putting in place measures to prop up the property market, which has been one of the weak points. And there may well be uh, more measures to come, which will revive China's economy, which in fact has not been underperforming as as uh, as some uh, some some analysts would suggest so there's certainly reasons to expect uh, better performance from chinese equities in the second half of this year well daniel thank you very much for joining me this week we'll be publishing our mid-year outlook on viewpoint and we'll be publishing more articles around our outlook for financial markets in the coming weeks Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you, Andy. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you'd like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. In addition to the mid-year outlook, Viewpoint brings you commentary and analysis in a variety of formats, from investment outlooks to asset allocation videos and podcasts to help investors make better informed decisions. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favourite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. If you like Talking Heads, please leave us a positive review and a nice rating. And just before we go, I'd like to mention that the Talking Heads podcast is available on YouTube, visit youtube.com slash bnppam slash playlist and tap or click on Talking Heads. For listeners who have devices with Alexa, you can ask Alexa to enable Investment Insights 
or search for Investment Insights on Amazon under the category Alexa Skills. You've been listening to the BMP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Andy Craig, and Daniel Morris. Please do join us again next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.